Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Ziggy Rodriguez yes. and Thomas Patrick Dorian. Yes, Dorian, sir. Dorian. I'm so glad to have you, number 58. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Tommy I'm having Dorian. a flashback. Don't do that. I'm having a flashback. <laughs> Running out on the field on Friday night lights. Yeah, there you go. Oh, man. Good old days. The smell of the freshly mowed grass. That's a great smell, man. Yeah. Now, did, did you have to wear a football helmet when you were playing for University of Memphis? Or was Here it we Because I would think the that hair. they'd want Here you to show your hair off on the field. Like, that how is, did they accommodate no, this? No, 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 that That's not setup. showing his hair off. That was like the, this is like the first miracle because he didn't have to wear a football helmet when he played football because it's like his hair never moved. That's not true. You know, it's like it was like Moses parting the Red Sea when he would run. He was a lineman. He could clear a path for that running back just, you know, with his hair. Just they looked at it. They just looked at it. Never laid a love on it. Did they stare at it and then they would fall over? Yes. 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 Like the New York Yankees in the stripes. The fear of God stricken into the defensive line by Thomas Dorian's hair. Anyway. Y'all are wrong. We are very wrong. So it's interesting that, uh, you know, this this weekend, uh, for those of us who go to Mass, and I hope it's all of us. Yes. Yes. Uh, You know, we're having... Even our separated brothers. That's Amen. right. They, yeah, we, we one yeah. day, one day, all of us will be gathered together. Yeah. Um, so uh, the gospel from uh, from Luke in the tenth chapter, we have the story of Martha and Mary, and we, uh, we, most of us know that story. But I'll just read. It's really short. Starting at verse thirty-eight, Jesus entered a village where a woman whose name was Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat beside the Lord at his feet, listening to him speak. Martha, burdened with much serving, came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. The Lord said to her in reply, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part of it, and it will not be taken from her. Um, So it's interesting. Uh, I'm surprised that Jesus didn't end up with like spaghetti (laughs) Don't don't you know? Because you know, anytime someone says like, "Look, I'm complaining. I have a genuine beef here," right? Right. And and then he answers, "Martha, Martha, 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 Martha." (laughs) You know, you start to think like, "Wait a second, And I just wonder, you know, if Martha wanted to really get immortalized in Scripture, (laughs) that would have been a way to do it. No, but you know, you know, she has a genuine complaint. It is right because certainly um, when the Lord comes to the house. You got. I mean, imagine if the Queen of England showed up at Tom Dorian's house, you know, and he sat and just, hello, Tom, you know, and he sat there the whole time talking to the Queen, and Cindy was just like, uh, just going crazy trying to make sure everything was all organized and right. the food was coming out and what was happening. You're like, Tom, you want to give me a hand here? Right. Right. Hello, Tom. You know, tell me that story again. <laughs> uh, and you know, but but the but the thing is. The, you know, Jesus always has some wise words, right? Because I guess he is God. So he's going to have these wise words. And, and he says, uh, you know, there is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. So what is he telling us in all this? Because, uh, you know, I, I know people are listening, and so I thought maybe we should talk a little bit about Martha versus Mary. 
You know, Good are topic. we on Team Martha? Are we on Team Mary? And and what does that mean? Because first of all, what does it mean? The better part. You know, because I would look at that and go like, yeah, the lazy one. That's a better. It's better to be lazy. Just lay there and do nothing, and everything happens all around you, and all the food gets taken care of, and the house gets clean. And everything's wonderful, right? But that's not what Jesus is saying, certainly. So what are the what are the two parts that we're trying to juxtapose here? Well, one thing that comes to mind is the fact that you know Martha is obviously if she were being led by the Holy Spirit to undergo the work that she's undertaking, I think that it would have been a different statement from Jesus. I think the fact that she's receiving this correction, what comes to mind, honestly, would be the difference between two people at Mass. One is really immersed in the spirit of the moment and taking in the presence of the Lord. And then the other one is super self-conscious at every turn, even though they've been to a thousand masses of, am I doing this right? Do I look, how do I look when I pray? Am I, uh, do I kneel here? I know I'm supposed to kneel here, even though they know, of course, they're supposed to kneel here, mm -hmm. right? And the, I think that there's probably a high level of self-consciousness and self-reliance that is happening on the part of Martha and I think he's she, he's calling her into more of a God consciousness and a God reliance. Yeah, I, I, but but I don't know. I see. I'm not saying I disagree, but I, I I as I listen to this, I think somebody's got to clean. I mean, somebody's got to serve the food. Somebody's got to do the work, and 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 that's why he know, recognizes that though, because well, he says that, he says that Mary chose the better part. He's not saying that Martha was the bad part. He's saying that that's still a good part, and that's part of what's going but on here. But it's better to do the other one. At that point in time, it is. But he's still not saying that she has a bad part. So I kind of agree. I'm, I'm more leaning towards where Tom's going. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I think the reason why is because I, I think what we start realizing is I, I don't think that Jesus is saying either or here. I think he's saying both and. And if you stop and think about it, the reality is there are times when we need to be Martha. And there are times when we need to be married. Exactly. And, and the only way we're going to be able to live our lives properly is to be in tune with what the Lord is calling us to do. So mm -hmm. back to what you were saying, Sam, I, there is a truth here because I think that if Martha was saying, you know, if, if Mary said, Martha, come and sit with the Lord, sit with me, th then I think Martha, if she was totally in tune with the Holy Spirit saying, you know, the Spirit has called me into this, this glorious work of love that this this I, i'm you know what i'm praying with every dish that i set out with every stir of the porridge or whatever I, I i'm saying a prayer and i think i'm i'm in tune with what god is calling me to be and to do at this moment right now and then maybe uh after the dinner's prepared jesus still sitting there then maybe martha sits down and goes lord i, I was so happy and pleased and blessed to work f for you you know if on on your behalf and for, for the whole family Right, but now I need some some Jesus time. Well, so I'm reminded by a talk I heard by a um, it was a Catholic speaker and it was really transformative for me because he he said that we as a people as a culture have forgotten that we are human beings and we really have come to think of ourselves more as human doings. <laughs> we define ourselves by what we do, and that we must re return to the understanding that we in fact. Uh, are human beings and that we have a being that we've been loved into existence and God loves us as we are. Mm -hmm. And the uh, the other thing that really 
the reason it was so transformative for me is it actually helped me think in terms of the faith works dialogue yeah. that we have with our separated brothers and sisters because I realized that our 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 doings have to be a fruit of a being made alive in Christ mm-hmm. right if if we're doing our works without it being a fruit of Christ's you know uh conquering our being so to speak and pervade and and, and and penetrating every aspect of our being and then the our doings are a fruit of that then those doings are are empty right mm-hmm. and 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 i think in the same regard this is what we're looking at here with martha and mary if her being is not set on fire with god and her works are not a fruit of that being right yeah yeah i totally agree and and that goes right along with the Rather than the either or the both and, because mm-hmm. you stop and think right. about it, so much of our Catholic faith is sort of wrapped up and and defined really by the both and. You you mentioned faith and works. Well, it's also scripture and tradition. Mm-hmm. It's Old Testament and New Testament, mm-hmm. right? It's it's natural and supernatural. I mean, that's the incarnation, the very very you know presence of God in this world in 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 the incarnation. You know, God taking on flesh is both and, mm-hmm. not either or. He doesn't he doesn't be leave the divine and enter the human right it's both and and so there's there's some beauty there and i think that should speak to all of us about uh you know how we do what we do and how we are uh best who we are um and if we don't have a handle on that then we get into big trouble right Mm -hmm. things get out of balance right and we uh you know, I think about the, the, the things that, you know, if we were a Martha or a Mary, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anyone in a family, say, let's listen, normal family, right? You don't want a Martha only. You don't want a person that does nothing but work. They're going to, first of all, they're going to be miserable, mm-hmm. right? They're going to feel under uh, you know, underappreciated. They're right. like, I'm always, you know, you, you might, have, might have met those people at the office or whatever. And you don't want to have the only Mary, the person that's like nothing but this lofty kind of spiritual creature, right, that doesn't have any kind of interface in the family. And I'm talking about a family here, not not about somebody's calling to be a contemplative nun or something like that. I'm talking about someone who's trying to live in the world, mm-hmm. right, the way that the vast majority of us are called. And so you don't want to be a Martha or a Mary, but you want to be a Martha and a Mary. There are times where you're going to need to be doing work. And work is noble. It's a noble task to do, mm-hmm. right? Because even in like a, a contemplative um, you know, order. They're still going to have somebody. I got some Marthas in there. There's going to have to be somebody who, at times, and they maybe they rotate through the chores and things like that. Uh, because you, if you, if you have all workers, you're going to be devoid of God. If you're, gonna, if you're going to have all the the Marthas, you essentially are not going to have any spiritual time, mm-hmm. right? If you're always doing the work, right? Now, if you're always doing the praying or always doing the, um, you know, the spiritual aspect. Well, you're going to get nothing done. Mm-hmm. And at some point in time, there's there's an imbalance. And you think, you know, again, here we are, um, natural and supernatural. We're flesh and we're spirit. And you start to realize how important it is for both of those things to be fed and both of those things to be utilized. And so I think, uh, you know, and I don't know how much is lost in translation if Jesus actually said, what it sounds like, well, Martha, I mean, you know, don't get mad at your sister because she's, she's chosen the better part. Ha ha, you're too late. Now, that's not what he says, but you can you could kind of read it that way. Like, well, you got the terrible part. She got the better part. Ha ha, mm-hmm. she wins. Mm-hmm. You know, or is he saying she has what is the better part at this moment in this time, and 
why don't you put your spoon down and come over and sit with her? This would be a good thing to do, right? And I don't know if that's what, and we don't know what happened after. <laughs> you know, a phrase that is on my heart at the moment is serving without a servant heart, because we're all called to serve in one way or another, but we're also all called to have a servant heart. And that servant heart can manifest in a variety of ways. And if we, you know, for example, in, in just out in the world, there could be somebody who's serving you at a hotel, for example, who's just there for the money and they're not really thinking about you. And that's totally normal and, and expected to an extent. Right? Sometimes, yeah. But then if somebody is there, and this is a way in which everyday jobs can be a source of sanctification mm -hmm. you know if somebody says you know what i'm a concierge at a hotel that's where i am when i met jesus christ and he and i gave my life to him and yes i'm taking this job because i've got a family to support and i need to take carry out those duties of looking after my family but i also have these people in my midst that i can convey to them by the way in which i live my life and live out this job that they matter and really receive them in their personhood. So it's, it's how you work. Yes. Yeah. So the so the how makes a huge a huge difference. To me, it's uh, unconditional and conditional. But I know we have to take a break. We do. Have to, <laughs> we do. <laughs> Just when you get ready to say something, Tom. Yeah. We got, we got a teaser from Tom. That's right. I'm on the edge of the seat this time. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's awesome. And Tom is right. We do need to take a break. Before we do that, I'll remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, we'd love for you to... Oh, yes, please follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, and please uh, like and share our posts and comment on them. It makes a difference. Awesome, and I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. With that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. The relationship between monastery brew houses and the act of Christian hospitality has nestled a special place in Catholic culture for centuries. As monastic life began to take shape across Europe, the art of hospitality and its connection to monastery living took deep root. Before the modern era of roadside inns, travelers used the network of monasteries as way stations between their destinations. Monastic hospitality directed the monks to care for these travelers. The monastic rule of St. Benedict says, Let everyone that comes be received as Christ. The monks abided by this teaching, and each monastery became known for its hospitality and its own unique brand of ale or beer, which was served to thirsty visitors. The work of the monastery was integral to the spiritual life of the monks. Many monasteries were self-sustaining operations with vast tracts of land. The monastic communities relied on the land to provide sustenance for their community. Operating the monastery took hard work and required daily labor from the monks. To sustain themselves, especially during periods of fast, the monks would brew heavy beers and ales. By drinking these fermented concoctions, they were able to stay faithful to their fast, but also able to sustain the energy levels needed for the hard work. Beer was considered liquid bread at the time and enjoyed for its many nutritional properties. As time went on and monasteries became centers of learning and laboratories for science, the monks used their education to perfect the brewing art. They were able to improve production practices and provide this special drink, not only for their own communities, but the villages around them. 
one particular order of monks called the Trappist had become famous all over the world for their beers and ales. The Trappist order was founded in the Cistercian Monastery of La Trappe, France. The founder of the order felt that the Cistercian order as a whole was becoming too lax. He instituted strict new rules and one of the core tenets of the order was that each monastery was to be self-sustaining. The Trappist monks looked to the brew houses that already existed within their walls and began brewing beers and ales for sale to the public. Some of these Trappist monasteries are still brewing beers and ales that can be found at your local grocery store. They are considered to be some of the highest quality and most robust and flavorful ales and beers in production today. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting here talking with Tom Dorian and yes, Ziggy Rodriguez, and we are yeah. talk, talking about Martha and Mary. So I'm looking over here, and I'm going like, Tom's kind of a Martha. <laughs> you know what? Tom, Tom is always working. I'm he is the hardest. He no, I'm you're not. No, you're, you, you think you are. I'm, I'm, I'm defining here, not you. Okay. And and I look across <laughs> and I see you, a hardworking man. You know, and you're like, you, you know, you're essentially a football player at heart. Yeah. Coach, give me the play. You know, <laughs> just give me the play. I'm, I'm going to go in there. You were one of those guys, weren't you? <laughs> I know who you were. I got tackled a few times. I'll just say it that way. And then look at Sam. It's like his feet are not on the ground. He's always floating. He's always the Holy Spirit is saying something. His heart's always speaking. He's got all kinds of. It's like, but if you try to get him to like change a flat tire, he, he, just keep going past me, Sam. I'd rather Tom do that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And I know that's, that's how you feel, funny. which is why I always say, Martha, Martha, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I think we've hit upon something here, though, where we can look at this and people wonder, like, is it better to be a Martha or a Mary? And I, again, I think having talked about it a little bit now and then and then looking, I think it's better to be both Martha and Mary and under, so try to understand and discern when is the time to be Martha? When is the time to be Mary? Yeah. Right. That ultimately that. When we get life out of balance is when we get into trouble. I mean, it happens in, in our, you know, when we fall into sin, it's always because something, you know, there's stresses here, there's there's problems, there's financial issues or whatever, and we start to, things get out of whack. And mm-hmm. when that happens, then, you know, I think Satan drives a little wedge in there and we see no hope and we do something silly, you know, mm-hmm. um, stu- something stupid and sinful. Um, and so... So I think this the, the, the concept of both and is really powerful here, but also in being able to discern when it's time. Because, you know, it's no one likes the person that always discerns the, the spiritual part when there's a lot of work to be done. Right. Right. Mother, I'm not going to clean my room right now because I'm going to pray. <laughs> you know? I've chosen the better part. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you better pray, honey. <laughs> As our, Lord, as our Lord has, has informed me, as Sam would say, as, as the Lord has put on my heart, Mother, I am not going to do any work today. I'm not going to mow the yard. I'm not going to clean my room. Because, I would love to hear that from one of my kids. Wouldn't that be great? You'd only hear it once. That's, that's the thing about the Dorian household. You'd hear it one time. Exactly. Actually, the first kid would do it, and all the, he'd just tell the story. And they'd go like, don't do that. That would be a bad choice. So, you know, and if you think about it, there's something practical about that, because especially if you look at, 
this both and thing. But if you if you only look at either or, mm-hmm. and you stop and think about it, I, it makes me think a little bit of the the Benedictine spirituality mm-hmm. and the the idea of uh, ora et labora. Right. You know, pray and work. Right. Right. And this idea that there's that that work is prayer, but you pray and you work. You you don't stop working to pray. You can. There are times where you have liturgies and whatever, but actually a liturgy. I mean, the very word means a public work, mm-hmm. right? It's it's a work that's done, and so you, there's a, there's a connection between working and praying, uh, and there's a balance, right? No one's going to like the monk that never works; he only prays. <laughs> right. Man, he's so holy. I don't know that the other the other guys would like that. And and honestly, if you look at this, you're like, well, if the person is all work, I mean, they, they essentially become devoid of the spirituality of things, right? right? If they get totally distracted and there's many of us who live in ordinary lives in, in this busy world and we're busy bodies we just we're busy doing stuff mm-hmm. oh i'm sorry i couldn't make it to mass this weekend because dot 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 and you fill in whatever that is mm-hmm. we've all been tempted some of us have fallen to that temptation the reality is there's all kinds of things that are pulling us away but if we're all work if we're all doing if we're all busy we're not going to have that connection with god right and then then vice versa you know if we're all spirituality I don't think people like that person either. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just I don't think that person functions well in society because they're they're totally um, they're, they're 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 gone. They're tra- they're they're not here with us right now. Mm-hmm. They're off praying, and, and I'm not saying prayer is bad. I'm not saying a lot of prayer is bad. I, I think it's good to have a lot of prayer, but there's a reality of things have to get done. Mm-hmm. And so I love. Uh, I, I think it's no um, mistake that the Holy Spirit would you know the church would put. Um, St. Paul's reading from the Colossians um, right before this gospel reading, uh, and that is, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Mm -hmm. And, you know, St. Paul rejoices in suffering. It's like, wait, what? How do you, you a crazy nut job? You know, and all the saints are kind of a little little crazy by our standards, right? (laughs) But here he is in his suffering, something else is happening. And so it's like, I welcome the suffering. It's kind of like, I welcome the work. Because it gives me an opportunity to pray. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that uh, the, w- this is, I think, the Holy Spirit at work. As I was preparing, something for... was put on your heart, Sam. Well, yes. As... <laughs> Thank you. Share that with us. <laughs> so as I was preparing for the show, uh, not realizing that you were going to talk about the Benedictines, yeah, um, I was reminded of a reflection delivered by uh, the master of the order of the former master of the order of the Dominicans. This Father is why Tim- we have you come on the show. <laughs> Tom and I can quote you great movie lines, sure. right? And, uh, sure. and and comic books we grew up with. And you are doing this reading. You're reading the Master <laughs> of the Dominicans. You know, talking to a bunch of Benedictines. Yes. Right? You send us this little. It's on your phone. It and was. It's like all of a sudden it just shows up on my phone. I'm going like, that Sam is like busy reading again. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, know, I was busy about many things reading these <laughs> reflections. Well, no. So with regard to. Uh, uh, Timothy, Father Timothy Radcliffe uh, gave a talk before Benedictines, and he gave his uh, his take on the Benedictine vocation. Mm-hmm. And I think it really speaks into what we're discussing here. He said that, uh, My hope is that the Benedictine monasteries will continue to be places in which the glory of God shines out, thrones for the mystery. And this is because of what you are not and what you do not do. The most obvious fact about monks is that you do not do anything in particular. You farm, but you are not farmers. 
You teach, but you are not school teachers. You may even run hospitals or mission stations, but you are not primarily doctors or missionaries. You are monks who follow the rule of Benedict. You do not do anything in particular. Monks are usually very busy people. But the busyness is not the point and purpose of your lives. Cardinal Hume once wrote that we do not see ourselves as having any particular mission or function in the church. We do not set out to change the course of history. We are just there almost by accident from a human point of view. And happily, we go on just being there. It is the absence of explicit purpose that discloses God as the secret, hidden purpose of your lives. God is disclosed as the invisible center of our lives when we do not try to give any other justifications for who we are. The point of the Christian life is just to be with God. Jesus says to the disciples, abide in my love. Monks are called to abide in his love. Yeah, see, that's powerful. What I, lo- what I love about that is it's a... It's a it's what the Benedictines have been doing for years, I'm sure, what all monks have been doing for years, but the reality is it's sort of a radical view about things, where it's like, you're told as a youngster, you need to have um, you know, a job, what are you gonna do when you grow up? Mm-hmm. Right? And we're all like, I wanna be an astronaut, I wanna be whatever. You, know, you were gonna be an elephant tamer, Tom, I remember that uh, about you. Um, but, but the thing is, you know, what he's saying is that you've got to uh, just be. You've got to learn to be, and I think that's a little bit of the same way of saying we need to realize that at times in life we're going to be Martha, and at times in life we're going to be Mary, right? Mm-hmm. And not either one of those exclusively or in particular, but all of us have those aspects. We just need to be with God, so we're either working with God, for God, by God, through God, or we are uh, praying to God, with God, in God, around God, by God, all these things. And, and the reality is that's what all of us need to recognize. There's a little Martha and a little Mary in each one of us, and there's a happy balance. So if you feel out of balance in life, this is our opportunity to stop and to sort of prayerfully, prayerfully find that balance. Let God find that balance for yeah, yeah, you. There you go. That's why I said prayerfully. You know? yeah. So it's like if you open yourself up to, uh, uh, like Sam, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak upon you, Right to place something strongly and firmly on your heart. What a great heart Sam has as I look at it. Uh, it's beating nicely there. And, and you I know what? That. And all of us, all of us need to experience that and realize that's what God is calling all of us to do. Martha and Mary. Isn't that great? Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is great. So now let's ask another Mary, our mother Mary, to be with us. Mm-hmm. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray, pray for, for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.